This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, what's going on? It's Metal Shop. Metal Shop Backstage Pass here. Talking with Frank Novanek from Hatebreed, a.k.a. Frank Three Gun. Did I did I pronounce your last name right? Oh, uh, you did. But I, it's funny, Three Gun, because I, these days I go by Florida Frank. But oh, um, yeah, and that's funny. That's an old nickname. And um, I just uh, somebody asked me in an interview the other day. Actually, they're like, "How did you go from Frank Three Gun to Florida Frank?" But um, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Fair enough. But, um, yeah, man, uh, life's good. Uh, I just uh, considering, you know, obviously everything that's going on with. Um, you know, the pandemic and us not being able to be on the road, but uh, it's good to be home, which I'm usually not a lot. And, um, you know, obviously the record just came out and all that. So, yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about your record. But speaking of records, you you mentioned uh, off the air right, right when we jumped on the call that you have a record store now. Why don't you tell me a little bit about um, being, you know, the, the founder of a new record store and whatnot? What's it called and and uh, how's it been going? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm a big record collector. I yeah. listen to all different kinds of music, and I have thousands of records in my collection. And um, I have this little weird record store by my house that I kind of just, it's in this rundown plaza, and it just looks so bad that I was like, you know what? That place is probably so terrible. Um, and I drove by here a hundred times and never stopped in. And it's literally two miles from my house. And um, there was this cheesesteak place in the plaza that was next door to it. So, so one day my wife and I went to go get food. And I said, you know what? Let me pop my head in this record store real quick. Yeah. And, and I popped my head in there, and it was like four times the size of what I thought it would be. And it just had all these records in here, but it needed a lot of TLC and all that stuff. And, and yeah. since that day, um, I've been speaking with the owner and um, – I've been in here and it's became, you know, I've kind of inherited with him, you know, and I kind of, I, from, uh, I don't know, I guess the term would be, uh, breathe some new life into this place. And, oh, cool. Uh, you know, really kind of gave us some TLC and, and put a lot of stuff in here and some money into here and then we're advertising stuff. So it wasn't something I planned on, but you know, timing wise, since there's not a lot going on as far as touring is concerned, it's nice to be able to do something that's still related to music and that I enjoy doing. And the store is called uh, Gruff's Vinyl. Cool. And it's in Rockledge, Florida. And uh, if you're ever in Central Florida, it's over here on the Space Coast where we live. Um, yeah. And uh, come check it out. 
Dude, that's awesome. It's cool. It's it's like you're putting time into this passion of records that you love, but it's also like a different side of it, too. It's not just, you know, uh, organizing your own collection. It's like making something rad that could, you know, form a community for, for people to come and enjoy it. Yeah, and that's exactly it, you know, and um, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun, you know, it's, it's it, that more than anything. Like I could have obviously got involved in something to take up my time. Um, since, you know, we kind of quit touring long before the pandemic because the last album had been out. So, yeah. so, uh, so long for, for so long. And, um, you know, I could have uh, jumped into to doing something that, uh, that I didn't didn't care to do just to, to make money while I'm home or or, or keep myself busy yeah. and uh, this is kind of this is kind of a blessing. I mean, I've, I've dumped more money into it than I've made for sure, but um, I'm thinking long term here. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. That's really cool to hear. Um, so you know, my question was going to be, you know, how are you staying sane during this time? But it sounds like that's really the kind of thing that's keeping you going, keeping you sane. It is, and I enjoy being home. You know, yeah. I'm down here in Florida. I, I live far away from the rest of the guys. They're all in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and then and Matt's up in Poughkeepsie, New York, about an hour from the rest of them. But I, I you know, I enjoy my life down here. We're outside all year because the weather's nice. And, yeah, you know, we, I live by the ocean, and my wife and I get out and kayak, and, and we're big Disney people. So I'm always doing stuff, yeah. um, keeping myself busy when when I'm off the road, even if it's stuff that I don't want to do. You know, like yard work and stuff like that. There's no short and stuff to do. I'm definitely a lot more busy uh, when I'm home than when I'm on the road. Wow, okay, okay. Um, what has been your experience so far? I mean, this isn't, nobody's, uh, I, I don't know how to really frame this, but what's been your experience releasing an album during the most insane time in the history of the world? Well, I mean, numbers-wise, um, I guess we'll find out today <laughs> since it's been out a week now. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, from what I saw so far, um, you know, people are enjoying it. And mm-hmm. um, I guess the timing's great because there's nothing else going on. Yeah. Why not hit people up with some music? Some people, obviously, are a lot more... Um, cautious about things and and no, no you know those people are the ones staying home more so um they need new new music mm-hmm. and and the and as far as you know our fans go they all need a new hatred record because it's been four years so yeah i feel like even though this record was supposed to drop in um even though it was supposed to drop in uh in in may and, and we had to um you know, we had to push it back six months. You know, we feel like um, that was kind of a blessing after the original shock of, hey, it's not going to come out in May. I kind of feel like it was a blessing because, um, you know, when we do end up getting back on the road, the record is going to be six months fresher than it would have been, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think people have kind of adjusted their lives to what this reality is. So it's a little bit more normal to release an album now as opposed to the first few big metal albums that were coming out right as the pandemic started, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, so I'm curious about, uh, 
what's the what's the songwriting approach? Because you guys, uh, you said you live in Florida. Other members live in Connecticut. Someone lives in Poughkeepsie. Um, do you guys get together to write songs, or is there like a main songwriter who like sends like riff ideas to each of you guys? And you know how does how does it work typically? Well, Jamie and Chris, who are both in Connecticut and have been in the band since day one, yeah. they're the sole they're the sole music writers. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, they're bouncing ideas off of each other via the, the, the via the computer now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or, you know, and, and emails and stuff. So, um, it's not until you know a lot you know uh, programming drums and all that and, and getting getting the the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the, of the song, the root. Um, together until the band can get together to, to you know play them or, or make them actually become something. Absolutely, man. Uh, that sounds like a good process. You guys got it figured out. Um, okay, so so you said like you're a huge fan of all kinds of different music and, and being a record collector, I'm sure you have all kinds of stuff. I listened to Jamie Joss's podcast, you know, and he he talks a lot about it, your love of Kiss. I'm curious, have you ever like tinkered with the idea of trying to like add that stuff to Hatebreed, or are you just kind of like, no, Hatebreed is Hatebreed. I'll do my on the side. But you you, you ever think like, hmm, maybe I'll add a prog part or like a dance part <laughs> no not at all matter of fact, with, with, you know with you know and, and and in my prior bands terror and ringworm and integrity the bands that i've been in the past prior the hate breed yeah and, and a lot a lot of those bands um i wrote like 90 percent of some of those albums that were made um especially with integrity and ringworm so um coming into hate breed you know the, it's a different formula yeah and um it's been working for 26 years and, and i choose not to to um you know put my spin on it you know um and, and and trust in chris and jamie with the writing process so um but that's the beauty of it you know yeah. what I mean? I, uh, if people knew what matt and i were up drinking and listening to on the bus as it was rolling at two o'clock in the morning they would be pretty shocked you know what i mean it's a it, it's but that's you know that's the nice thing about it is to have the the yin to the yang um and being around the heavy music all day um at the shows and the tours and then getting on the bus and listening to elo or some yeah. some 70s soft rock or something like that you know Okay, well, then let me ask you about that then, personally. Like, uh, what's what's one album that you love that metalheads would be like, whoa, the guy from Hatebreed likes, you know, Sade or Selena or something. What's what's one album in your collection that you, like, you love but people might be a little bit, like, surprised by? There's a lot. There's a lot of records, and I, I always kind of joke about, um, you know, when people talk about guilty pleasures of you know music and stuff there's no such thing really mm-hmm. you like what you like and yeah. you can't ridicule anybody for music that they like you know what i mean yep. people listen to it it's it's out there for us to enjoy and the beauty of it is that you know once you really have dug into it you find yourself listening to all different kinds of stuff i, I luckily for me i was introduced to music at a very 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 young age my parents were drug addicts alcoholics and as much as that I, that's frowned down upon um one positive thing that came out of of all that was the music was always loud when I was a kid. Okay, was always prominent. You know, yeah. I, my the story to my father always tells me is, you know, 
you, when, when when smoke on the water came out, that when every time that song came on, you would dance with in your diapers and hold on to my tower suit, <laughs> and and it, and, it, and, it, and it, you know, and and I'm like, all right, you know, and, and and doing homework in that, it's like, all right, well, Deep Purple Machine Head came out in '72, and I was born in 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 late '71, so I'm like, I, man, that to- totally makes sense. So yes, um, long story short, I mean. I listen to everything. I mean, when I'm down here tailgating at NASCAR and college football games, there's nothing I would rather listen to than, you know, my Jason Aldean and Kenny Chesney playlist. Okay. You know, that that's that's what that that's what that that's what that you know, you that's what that vibe is. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I'm driving around in my truck since Thanksgiving, I, it's nothing but Christmas music. Okay. You know what I mean? So, um it's just it depends on what I'm feeling at the time. I, I listen to, to country music, or mostly old. You know, I don't like a whole lot of the newer stuff, but sure. there's some of it that I do love. There's some artists I do enjoy, Alan Jackson. And I think a lot of people would be shocked by that. Um, I think that, uh, and, and also bummed out about that as well. <laughs> Dude, I think it's awesome. But, but um, you know, I like 90s hip-hop, a lot of West Coast gangster rap. And, yeah. Um, I enjoy, um, I enjoy, um, like Bobby Darren and Bobby Vinton and okay. and Dean Martin, Dean Martin and Tom Jones and when my my wife and I are cooking, um, which is another thing I love to do. I do about ninety nine percent of that. That's in awesome. Our house and um, you know when I'm doing that and cooking and we're having dinner, I'll listen to that kind of stuff. So um, and it's just great to to and and then you know to leave home and go get out on the road and plug the less ball in and play the heavy, heavy rim mm-hmm. and get that, get the fix of that stuff. I can't complain. Music's a wonderful thing. And it's a, to me, it's about a feeling and it's about the way it makes us feel. Um, and, and, um, more than anything, really. That's awesome, man. It's really cool to hear. Like uh, that's, you're right. That's a, that's a huge spectrum of stuff. And it's, it's really cool to hear. Uh, and now I'm curious about, you said you grew up in this household with just like awesome, Awesome, all these you know gateways to all this awesome rock and roll coming out and stuff and from such a young age you sit in your pants to smoke on the wall it's hilarious diaper um yes what a what was your light bulb moment that made you think like i need to do this i'm not just going to be someone who listens to this i want to be a part of this was it you know hardcore or punk or what or 70s rock what was what what was the light bulb moment to become a guitarist well, my journey always was, you know, when my parents were partying a lot, and I'm glad that they got their acts together and, mm-hmm. you know, they divorced and all that, but, you know, thank you. The world's a, a much safer place than my father doesn't say. But, um, yeah. you know, um, when I saw Kiss as a young kid growing up in the 70s, as many did, it kind of just changed my life because when you're a kid you can't comprehend that these guys are human beings you think that they're monsters or superheroes or something because you're six or seven years old yeah. and you're staring at the cover of destroyer and love gun you have to you know and i understand a lot of younger people think the kiss is nonsense and you know it's a joke and all that but like you have to put yourself in the shoes of a of a six and seven year old kid yeah. who's co- holding the cover of destroyer and looking at it and then you know you see these comic books and this movie on television with them um, you think that they're not people. You know what I mean? You think that they're monsters or superheroes. Like, you're borderline scared of them, but yeah. you love it. So, um, it cut to me being eight years old, and me and the kids in the neighborhood have the makeup on, and, and the tennis rackets, and Kiss Alive 2's on, and we're putting on a concert for, like, our parents. 
So, yeah. Um, you know, that's awesome. And then, you know, and that's what you want to do and be. But as I got older, um, you kind of realize that that's, you know, once I got into my teens, um, and I got a guitar and started playing, you kind of almost realize that it's a one in a million thing to be able to make a music off living. And I thought I was going to get into cooking and become a chef. And, okay. and um, that was what I was going to do in my life. But, you know, here I am, find myself playing in, in these in these hardcore bands in the late 80s and, and it actually rolled and turned into something, which was a complete blessing because, um, as like I said, I mean, who gets to do that for a living? So um, here I am however many years later doing this and I do spend my time in the kitchen when I'm home yeah. cooking and I think about you know I probably would hate to cook at home if that's what I had to do at work uh, for a living I wouldn't want to come home and do it again so well you always hear I, about the the like high class chefs who like make these amazing like 10 course meals and then come home and eat like a cheeseburger from McDonald's you know and, and that's it, you know, and I'm kind of happy that that's how it all panned out. I mean, obviously, I'm very happy in the position I am being in Apreed. Yeah. Um, but um, as, as far as the cooking and all that's concerned, it's like, you know, I have the time when I'm home to do that while my wife's at work and get into some big project in the kitchen and spend all day, like, prepping and, and cooking and making stuff. And I, like I said, I just don't think if... if um, you know, I was doing that all day. I'd want to come home and do that. And aside from that, you know, you start thinking about how long is the band going to go and all that and what I would want to do. Yeah. Um, um, post tape read. Um, and, and, you know, that was something I still would consider, but at the same time, um, not if the record store is going, I'm kind of hoping that we can continue in that and I yeah. can still enjoy, you know, um, the cooking at home and stuff like that. So that's awesome, man. You're kind of setting it up for the future, and that's really cool to hear. Well, you know, I hope that the band goes forever, and I don't see what the, I don't see us stopping anytime soon. As long as these guys want to do it, I'll do it. I, yeah. I think about Vinny Stigma from Agnostic Front oh. turned sixty five yep. years old yesterday. Oh, so that's awesome. Sixty five, and they're out there doing it. And then, of course, you have bands like, you know. Um, not to compare ourselves to the Rolling Stones, but, you know, we're not filling stadiums or anything like that. But as far as age is concerned, you know, as long as the people still come to see our band, um, whether they're moshing in wheelchairs and stuff like that, I don't know. But, um, yeah. you know, I guess the future will hold um, to see how long we can continue to do this. But, um, you know, we do have a brand new record out. And that's exactly. And that will carry us into the next few years. So. I mean, I saw last year. I saw Judas Priest and Uriah Heep, and both bands kicked total ass. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted to make it out to that tour, but um, yeah, and seeing how old are the, 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 those original members that are in those bands, yeah, I, I think it's you know just uh, crazy that they're still out there. Uh, and the Scorpions. Yeah. And yeah, them too as well. And I'm super, super psyched that Mickey D, you know, ended up being uh, yeah. in that band. And um, you know, after Motorhead added, even though I know he wasn't, he's not filthy and not an original guy, but um, still cool to see. You know, I, I followed him since King Diamond, but um, mm -hmm. it's cool that he um, ended up being being with them. And uh, and that they, you know, they they spoke so much about calling it quits, and and that didn't end up being the case. So it's good. I mean, these guys, these bands are giving us music you know these, these guys could retire a long time ago and, and here yeah. they are and as old as they are and I think people really need to appreciate it you know so being influenced by Kiss you know at, at a young age um, I'm wondering where the pivot was to like underground really abrasive hardcore because I'm a big fan of your your earlier bands too Ringworm Hate Breed and, 
I'm sorry, uh, Ringworm Terror Integrity. Uh, I'm curious, where was kind of the pivot there and what got you into the more underground, fierce, hardcore stuff? I think that because I was in the music at such an early age and you're digging and finding stuff mm-hmm. and as a young kid, as a young kid growing up in the eighties, something that comes along that's more extreme than something that you thought was the most extreme scrap. Yep. So really, really it was me being into bands like Queensryche and Wasp and then finding out about those college radio and yeah. recording college radio shows. And that's what led me to Motorhead, Slayer, Voivod, Celtic Frost, Venom. Those were the bands that I would go see in the 80s when I first when it, be, when it was around 1985 and I just would go see Possessed and Dark Angel came through town and Venom Slayer Exodus um, I was 14 and 15 years old and I was super impressionable by this stuff and and then I found skateboarding and that led to suicidal tendencies and toxic yeah. fraud and, and that turned into you know the Vice Squad and Peter and the Test Two Babies and all that crap. Yeah. Um, while still loving Kiss through all this stuff, even after they took off the makeup and everything, I still kind of held on to that and classic rock, which mm-hmm. is really, you know, more than anything, my number one go-to. I mean, you know, my favorite bands are Blue Oyster Cold and Kiss and the Stones. I still always love that stuff, even though I was finding this other music, you know, um, this new music to me. And, and that's how, um, my journey led me to, um, you know, starting ringworm in high school, we started ringworm in high school, James and I, and James, James, who sings for ringworm, yeah. a lot of, who a lot of, you know, is human. Furnace. He's my best, he's my best friend since, um, middle school. You know, we graduated together. We started ringworm in our senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, and I'm still speaking with him. He was best man at my wedding last year. So that's uh, awesome. You know, that that's pretty much my journey as far as the music scene and, and, and getting into these different genres and, and what has led me to where I am now. Shout out to, I, I believe his name is Bill Baker. I think he put out the first Ringworm record. Is that right? Yeah, he did. Envision Records, Seattle, yep. And, and um, you know, we had ties because Integrity had Overkill Records. and With Re- Ron. He's Ron. Yeah, Ron, Ron Gardepi. And, um, you know, and, and I've, always been, I've always been a huge fan of, of, of the bands up there, Brotherhood and The Accused, and I love Tad. I think they're one of the yeah. most they're one of the most underrated bands ever. And I, I used to go watch them play all the time. And, and I really dug on a lot of um, the, the early sub pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the fluid, even though I know that they're from Denver and they were one of the first non, 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 non Seattle sub pop bands, but you know, we're, we're no strangers to the scene up there. And that's um, awesome. And a lot of those bands. So cool, man. Well, um, I'm curious about, and, and, and this is going to be, uh, putting you on the spot, but I'm curious with your bands that you wrote for. So, uh, you know, in, in uh, Ringworm, Terror. What What do you think is the hardest riff you personally ever wrote? Um, I think that like my shining moment it was probably Ringworm Bertha's Pain record. Oh, um, yes, because I I produced the record also. Hell yeah! And I also and I also wrote ninety percent of it. Um, it'd be hard to top a song like Madness of War. Oh, I think I was kind of, you dude. know, try, you know, it was it was very hard to make that transition from that early Ringworm record to where we could barely play our instruments or tune our guitars. It's almost like the Germs. It's like you see the early footage of them playing like in the decline of Western civilization, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, they can't even think about playing. 
And it's like, and then you listen to the GI record that Joan Jett produced, and it's like magic. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like that transition is like comparable with Ringworm because when you listen to the first Ringworm record, although it's heralded as this masterpiece and way ahead of its time, and we were just couldn't couldn't really tune. We weren't the best players. And then when the band kind of got back together after Integrity had fizzled out, um, with me being in it, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get Ringworm back together. We're going to sign to Victory Records, and we're going to create this newer, updated version of the band. Yeah. Uh, that was really it. So um, that kind of was like a shiny moment for me. Um, that and, and, and even the record after, which I wrote the majority of the songs for, which is... Um, Justice replaced by revenge. Dude, um, that song still. I saw Ringworm last year. That song goes off, man. People could be just standing there, kind of just, you know, hanging out, singing along a little bit, and then that song comes on, and there's just instant, you know, people just fighting the invisible ninja, like very. Yeah, you know what's funny about that song is that I that I remember writing that song, um, and it was written on the spot at practice in like two seconds and I've never that's the least amount of time it's ever taken me to make, come up with a song and I've ne- I never we never go to practice and write songs it's always bringing riffs to you know back in those days anyway bringing the riffs to rehearsal being uh-huh. like, I got a song I got some riffs let's work it out that one was written on the spot um and it's crazy it ended up being a song that people love it was the title track of the record so um but kudos to them, man. They're still doing it and yeah. still out there. And, and I think they tour more than we do now. So, <laughs> absolutely, um, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think because you know Ringworm wasn't really a touring band when mm-hmm. it was involved in it. It's cool, man, and and uh, you have quite the legacy, man. But uh, you know, the new album "Weight of the False Self" is available now on Nuclear Blast Records. Pick it up. Uh, you can order it through Nuclear Blast. You can order it through Hapery website and everything. Um, but my last question for you, Frank, if you could pick a scar on your body and tell us the story quickly, if you can, or you know about how you got the the scar. I have two holes in my shin, and Ugh. when I was a when I was a young uh, um, teenager, I mm-hmm. was in the BMX like a lot of kids in the eighties were. Oh yeah, and rad. I, and I, and I, <laughs> yeah, and I used to you know before skateboarding, I was into that. And, and and for those that remember, they had these 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 pedals. They were made by Hutch. They were called Bear Trap pedals, and that's exactly what they were. Oh. And they're gnarly, and they have these spikes on them. And when you're wearing your Vans, those spikes kind of fit right in the holes in the body of your van, and, and you literally are like glue on those things. And Jesus, you, you know they don't. That's that's what they're for. So I ha- I don't know why, but I just was. I had a uh, uh, like a GT bike back then, and I had like um, the Bear Trap pedals, and I got I was standing up like you know on the back wheel with the top wheel in the air, and like jumping up in the air like bunny hopping, and like for whatever reason my feet slipped those pedals, and that free wheel flung back at about a hundred miles an hour and went right into my shin. And I just remember throwing that bike in the ground and running home, pretty much doing everything I could to not cry and being like, oh my God, I never felt anything like that in my life. And the, and the two holes in my shin are there still to this day from that. And that must have been 14 when I was 14 years old and I'm 50 next year. So there you go. Jesus, that's super brutal. But I mean, a cool, a <laughs> cool <is>. story. <laughs> it is for sure. It's cool. It's like people are like, what the hell is that? I'm like, you never believe it. 
Um, but that, you know, that's when we, we grew up riding BMX. I used to race BMX. I cracked my ribs doing all that skateboarding. I, I definitely got stitches in my face and, um, you know, broke my leg, uh, or not, not my leg. I actually broke my leg after one of our concerts. Um, but, uh, I broke my arm skateboarding. Yeah. I've, I've, I had a lot of injuries in my life. So someone needs to start a BMX themed thrash band called bear trap and just all about the brutal injuries. Man, that is a great idea. (laughs) It's funny. I always, I always, I I always had this idea that Randy from Lamb of God and then my friend Nate from Converge, we were going to start this, we were going to start this 80 skate rock band, you know? Um, but the problem was, I was never that good at skateboarding. I loved the culture. I tried like hell. I just sucked at it. And luckily, the music came calling. But these guys are so fucking good at skateboarding. I told, them, and they still skateboard. I was like, yeah. And they and they they want to have a band where everybody still skates. And I and I said, well, can I bike? <laughs> I was, yeah, I'm, I'm like, look, I don't skateboard anymore because I know damn well I'm going to fall off that fucking thing and break my hands. And yeah. I won't be I won't be going on tour. So I was like, even though it was my idea, I think you're going to have to find another guitar player to be in your skate rock band. So. Maybe, maybe I could maybe I could be the manager or something. There you go. Just as long as it's not a rollerblading themed thrash band. <laughs> no, none of that for me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, but that's that's not my thing. Right on, man. Well, uh, again, weight of the false self, new Hatebreed album. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it, and I'm sorry I called you late, and uh, I appreciate you. Uh, the interview and plugging the record and uh, hopefully uh, uh, we'll get back out to Seattle soon. Absolutely, man. Have a good one and, and uh, have a good day at the record store. Appreciate it. Thank you. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.